Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket, where we interview today's most inspiring and successful healthcare leaders. So thankful that you decided to join us again today, and please leave a review and a rating. Whenever you get a chance, it truly makes a difference for us. Just go to outcomesrocket.com slash review, and you'll be able to see the Apple Podcasts pop up there, and you'll be able to do that. So thank you so much. It makes a big difference for the way the show ranks and gives us feedback that we need to make it amazing. So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Her name is Christine Ashcraft. She is the CEO at Uscript, where they're catalyzing the adoption of precision medicine. She's had various roles in healthcare and has provided guidance as the chief executive officer at Genelex as well, and really has a love for healthcare. And I'm so excited to have her on the show today. So Christine, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Anything that I missed in your intro that maybe you want to add on? I I think the only thing I would add is um, I have been specifically in the precision medicine space for 17 years, long before it became sexy because Obama called it out (laughs) as a national priority a few years ago. And I'm really excited to be in that field at this time because I feel that we're really at a tipping point where we're going to see uh, dramatic care improvements and cost reductions based on that technology. Oh, thank you so much for that. And, you know, 17 years, even before it was sexy, I mean, now it's it's got its uh, its debut. So excited for you too, Christine. And so why did you decide to get into the medical sector to begin with? Sure. So um, I actually studied genetics uh, in college, and that was because uh, my grandmother died of cancer when I was in high school. And like a lot of people, I had big dreams to go and find a cure for cancer when I went to college. I did not end up doing laboratory work on the bench. I realized I was better suited to actually speaking and working directly with people a lot more, but I did really want to continue to do something that I thought could truly impact healthcare. It's a powerful driver for sure. You know, the loss of a loved one is uh, definitely um, never easy. And, and if you have the power to, to come up with solutions to help others avoid that pain, then I think it's super admirable. What do you think, Christine, is a hot topic that should be on every medical leader's agenda today? And how have you guys and your organization approached it? Sure. So I think, um, as I alluded to earlier, precision medicine really needs to be on the agenda of medical leaders. I did see a survey cross my inbox today, and it said that over 70% of leaders think precision medicine is a focus, but only 30% of them have actually allocated money uh, to a precision medicine program. Um, So I think it needs to (laughs) move up, obviously, in priority. You can't make something a priority if you don't invest some resources into it. But a lot of the focus has been around oncology and doing uh, genetic tests that help determine the best cancer therapy. I think that um, my advice would be to widen the thought process around precision medicine, where we really focus in the precision medicine space, although we take them into account, is not cancer medication so much as the majority of medications that a patient is taking. Right now, we really prescribe medications in a one-size-fits-all manner. 
And uh, about 93% of patients have a variation in a gene that impacts their response to at least 10% or more of commonly prescribed medications. So kind of broadening that thought to, hey, genetics doesn't just impact cancer medications, it impacts pain medications, mental health medications, cardiology medications, virtually all of these medications. So when you think about it, think about it in a larger context. Can this help me improve drug and dose selection for patients that are taking a lot of medications for the rest of their life, not just does this help in cancer care. Yeah, and the, the thing that comes to mind here, Christine, is not only improving outcomes, but also taking a lot of costs out of the system. Correct, correct. Actually, I've gone through a, a series of uh, studies to validate that we can both improve care and reduce costs. One of the big questions that we got from physicians and pharmacists over the years, or I've, I've heard, is, well, how do we know who to test? And then how do we know how to act on it? Um, so we've gone through a series of studies that validate our ability to do that in real time in the clinical workflow. So step one, how do we know who to test? We provided an unrestricted grant to the University of Utah's pharmacoeconomics department, and they actually got a very large claims and clinical data point database from Inovalon of several hundred thousand patients that were over 65 taking uh, several medications. And they ran those against our genetic risk score. So we have a patent pending score where I can essentially say, hey, Saul, based on the medications you're taking, there's a 70% chance that if I do this genetic testing, I'm going to recommend an evidence-based drug or dose change to one of your doctors when the results come back. So to validate that, they ran all these patients against our genetic risk score. And what we saw is as the genetic risk percentage increased, so did the likelihood that that patient ended up in the hospital or the emergency room. Wow. Um, what was really cool about that increase is that they somehow made these patients otherwise equal by age, gender, race, disease state and the known drug-drug interactions we currently flag for. So a very clear signal that, hey, this appears to be causing more emergency room visits and hospitalizations. So we followed that up with a study in which we provided information on how to optimize drug and dose response based on the USCRIPT clinical decision support tool and analytics framework in about several outpatient clinics around the United States. And what we saw compared to a historic control was a 39% reduction in hospitalizations and 71% reduction in emergency department visits in just four months with an estimated savings of about 1132 per patient prior to the cost of intervention. A big pushback on that was, well, it's not the gold standard. The gold standard is a prospective randomized control trial. So uh, followed that up with just a few months ago, uh, published a study in uh, home health. So in this particular program, there were pharmacists that were actively managing medications for patients that were at very high risk of being readmitted to the hospital. And we flagged them for genetic risk, and they were either put in the control or the intervention. And in the intervention arm, the pharmacists had access to USCRIPT and appropriate genetic testing. And what we saw in just 60 days was a 52% reduction in readmissions, a 42% reduction in emergency room visits saved over $4,300 a patient in just 60 days. I mean, it wasn't one of the endpoints of the study, but we did also see a statistically significant 85% reduction in mortality, which certainly merits looking into further. That is fascinating, Christine. And so you guys have done the studies, you've done the prospective, you've done the retrospective, and mm -hmm. this number of preventable deaths is uh, really fascinating to me. I heard 440,000 
preventable deaths per year and you're able to reduce such a large number, I think that's super interesting and merits a look at what, like you said, you know, broaden the perspective or the scope that you can apply precision medicine to. Yeah, I certainly think so. I think one of the things that Uscript really does is it enables providers to treat polypharmacy, taking multiple medications, as if it were a disease state in and of itself. So what we have going on, and everybody knows this, is we tend to treat patients in different silos. Here's the cardiology silo, and here's the mental health silo, and here's the pain silo. And the issue is all of those drugs interact with each other, and the genetics impacts that. And you really need a tool, and I would say a pharmacist care manager, ideally, that's proactively managing that. Now, that's fascinating, Christine. Can you give us an example of a time where you all had a setback and what you learned from that? Sure. So when I first started talking to uh, health systems and hospitals about Uscript and targeted pharmacogenetic testing, I didn't do enough homework in advance. And I, I was talking to a hospital system And at the end of the meeting, one of the CMOs looked over at me and he was like, Christine, I want to say something to you. I said, okay. He's like, I just want you to know this is great technology. And we certainly, and I apologize, there's a siren going by. I can't control that. (laughs) That's okay. Anyway, the CMO is sitting across the table from me. He's like, Christine, I want you to know this is amazing technology. I really think that it can help. And it's not that we don't want to do something like this. It's just you have to understand there's a really big technology agenda that we need to act upon. We need to achieve all these things for meaningful use. And right. he said, you're, you're essentially coming in here and saying, hey, we have these amazing solar panels. We can install them and you'll never have an electricity bill at your hospital into the end of time. If there's ever any kind of natural disaster, you're still going to have electricity, which sounds amazing, but our sewer is backed up. Yep. Uh, and so <laughs> yep. I realized I had to be more targeted in the health systems that I was reaching out to. And so I started just focusing on the ones that are stage six or seven for healthcare IT adoption that are really ready to start integrating additional innovations into their workflow. But I definitely spun my wheels for a while, um, not tightening that, that net. Yeah, you know, Christine, that's a great call out. You know, every everybody, every system in healthcare has a different stage of advancement. And we have to ask ourselves if we have a technology or a piece of equipment that we could use to help them out, it's not going to help to give them solar panels if their sewage is backed up. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> the, the analogy, I thought it was a good one. It stuck with me. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so it's our responsibility as innovators and also just people looking to make outcomes better to ask ourselves what stage in the process are they and does my solution fit? So I think this is a wonderful learning that you've shared with us, Christine. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. So what would you say one of your proudest medical leadership experiences you've had to date is? I think that, you know, it's really about the patient stories. I'll, I'll share one. There's a woman that I'm still in contact with, Elise Asselford, who reached out because one of her pharmacists had changed her medications based on genetics. And she said, you know, I thought I was in the early stages of Alzheimer's. I had given up my weekly bridge games. And when her medication was changed based on her genetics, her memory issues resolved in just a few days. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. But stories like that of real people where you know you impacted their quality of life in a real way, 
that's what keeps me going. No, that's such a great, great story, Christine. And you think about it now, I mean, to get a genome test done is, is what is it, a thousand bucks now? For uh, genome sequencing, which doesn't do the entire genome, it's a bit of a misnomer, it's coming down. It depends where you go. And the tests that we operate on are very specifically looking at genes that dictate response to medications. We don't focus on disease prediction or anything like that. Those tests are just a few hundred dollars. So they're fairly inexpensive and they help patient understand how they're going to respond to the vast majority of medications they'll be exposed to in a lifetime. Oh, really fascinating. And I think an area that's worth devoting some more time, listeners, there's a lot of things that maybe we're assuming, right? Like I just assumed all these tests are a thousand bucks. Christine, what resource would you give to us to further our knowledge and understanding of this um, precision medicine field? Sure. I think that it depends who you are, but if, if you're on the healthcare side and you're a healthcare provider, I think one thing that people aren't aware of is there's actually a clinical pharmacogenetics implementation consortium that's under the auspices of HHS. And it is a great group of academics and private companies that have worked together to coalesce guidelines on when you should be taking genetics into account when you're prescribing different medications. And they've done a really good job. I think sometimes people don't realize that there's a separate group working on this. Again, back to the silos. People are like, right. we're going to wait for the cardiologist to tell us which cardiology drugs this applies to and the you know, oncologist for the oncology drugs. I'm like, no, there's actually a group for pharmacogenetics made up of a ton of very smart people in this space. And I say if you don't go anywhere else to go to the CPIC website and take a look at those guidelines. And what's the website, Christine? It's uh, CPIC. PGX.org. CPICPGX.org. Listeners, so if you don't go anywhere else, that is the place that you go for information. And what we'll do is we'll provide it in the show notes. So if you go to outcomesrocket.com slash Ashcraft, that's A-S-H-C-R-A-F-T, Ashcraft, you'll be able to find the show notes as well as any links to the resources that we've addressed today. That's a great one, Christine. I'll definitely be sure to study that. What would you say uh, an exciting project? Obviously, what you're doing overall is exciting, but something in particular with what you're doing that's exciting today. Sure. I think uh, one of the projects I'm most excited about, uh, we did get a Highmark Health Vital Innovation Grant, and they have... Yeah, pretty exciting. So they were so impressed by the results of our studies that they wanted to test it out in some patients. So we did a risk stratification to determine which patients in their Medicare Advantage program had genetic risk. And then we integrated Uscript right into the clinical workflow in an Allscripts EHR for a primary care clinic under Allegheny Health Network. And they are getting flags for the patients coming in for appointments that would benefit from testing. And in this particular program, they actually have a pharmacist care manager that is talking to the primary care physicians and other physicians both to recommend testing and also to recommend drug or dose changes when the results come back. And that's been live for a few months now, and we're seeing really incredible results. They're very happy with the integration and the care improvements um, that they've seen so far. So very excited about that. We're not going to see final results for a while now, but I think it's great when an organization does what Highmark did and actually puts their money where their mouth is in terms of innovation. I think there's a lot of talk about innovation, but again, people haven't put the resources behind it 
to make sure that they're providing a platform for innovation to move forward. So I think they've done a really good job. Oh, congratulations on that, Christine. Sounds like you guys have gotten a a really exciting and outcomes improving project off the ground over there with Highmark. So kudos to that partnership that you guys struck. And I think it's a great point, you know, listeners, put your money where your mouth is, you know, that if you're looking to make some meaningful change that improves outcomes, invest some money in it, try out some pilots that will help you explore these technologies like Christine is, is discussing to improve outcomes in your system. Christine, let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine today. It's the 101 course or the ABCs of Christine Ashcraft. And so we're going to write out a syllabus. I've got four questions for you that we'll do in a lightning round fashion. And then we'll conclude the syllabus with a book you recommend to the listeners. You ready? I am. All right. So what is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Well, I I know the correct answer should probably be um, precision medicine. Uh, I think that that wouldn't be the correct answer, though. I think one of the things, um, just to take, take a step back more globally, is that we really need to do a better job understanding the social determinants of health. I heard before that, you know, where your zip code is more of a determination of um, how young you're going to die than pretty much anything else. And Mm. I think as a society, we need to start creating ways to address that in in a more meaningful way. I do also think that personalizing care based on genetics and other factors is key, but social determinants of health are a really, really big thing that we need to look into more. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think that I know we go back and forth about whether Einstein really said this or not, but they say the definition of insanity is to do the same things over and over again and expect different results. And I think one of the biggest mistakes or pitfalls we need to avoid is just tweaking ever so slightly the way that we've done things and -hmm. expect real results. So we're doing with Uscript historically when somebody gets a prescription it's run against a back end that's like this binary chassis. It's kind of like they codified a paper map. Do you remember when we used to, you look young, maybe you don't remember. We used to plan road trips using paper maps. And now we, <laughs> we pull out our uh, phone and it, in real time, it takes into account a ton of different factors. And that's essentially the leap that we're taking to medication management, but it doesn't work on a binary chassis. So how do we really make big jumps forward in medicine if we continue to take this binary or very siloed approach? So I think biggest mistake or pitfall, again, just trying to make slight improvements to the things that haven't worked. Great message. How do you stay relevant? as an organization, despite constant change? I think that one of the things that we've done a good job of here at Uscript is written all over. We have one of those, you know, visual boards where you have somebody draw the pictures of things you're supposed to focus on. But the number one thing we have on all of our minutes and agendas and everything that kind of circulates internally and some things externally is never losing sight of your mission. At the end of the day, as long as that's first and foremost in your mind, I think that you're going to change and evolve around it because if that mission is critical, you have to adapt in order to achieve it. And at Uscript, our mission is to end avoidable adverse drug events. What is one area of focus that should drive all else in your company? So I think at the... uh, (laughs) 
chance of being a bit repetitive, it's it's once again, never losing sight of the mission. At the end of the day, we need to take care of customers and listen to them, but it's all based around what is it that we're trying to achieve here? Everything needs to be flowing down from that. What would you say, Christine, the book that you'd add to the syllabus for the listeners? Okay, so this has nothing to do with healthcare, but my favorite book. <laughs> um, and there, there are Let's some healthcare. Uh, there are some healthcare uh, things in there. Uh, Holographic Universe by Mal- Michael Talbot. It's a lot about physics, but there's actual very specific examples in there of mind over matter. I think one of the most common ones in healthcare is the placebo effect. So there have been people that have become a lot better when they were given a placebo that really there was no logical reason for that right. because they were given a sugar pill. But it's, it's a very interesting book with a lot of studies that I think puts forward some interesting theories on mind over matter. And I think anybody would find it an interesting read. I love that, Christine. And listeners, take a note from that. You know, it's, you don't have to get your inspiration from healthcare-based resources. You could get your inspiration from anywhere. So long as what you take out is just what gives you that fire, that spark, that idea to create that change that's going to improve outcomes in healthcare. So I love it, Christine. Thanks for going with a non-healthcare book. You're welcome. And I'll, I'll <laughs> say I did pull it up on Amazon to yes. look at some of the uh, people that had commented on it. And a lot of them were in healthcare. So I'm not alone in love. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, go to outcomesrocket.com slash Ashcraft, and you'll find the link to that book, as well as these tidbits of amazing wisdom that Christine has imparted on us. Christine, before we conclude, I'd like to ask you to just share one closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get a hold of you. Okay. So my, my one closing thought, I, I keep talking about the Uscript mission of ending avoidable adverse drug events. So I just want to make sure I, I stop talking here that people understand how large of a problem this is. One person dies every five minutes from adverse reactions to properly prescribed medications. Um, Just to put that in perspective, that's equivalent of a full 747 every 34 hours. We spend as much, yeah, we spend as much on adverse drug events as we do on the drugs themselves. Half of medications don't work as intended and are therefore wasted therapies. And this problem is getting worse as we put people on more and more drugs because the genetics is more likely to have an impact. But it's a huge, huge problem. And I think people don't often realize what a big problem it it is. So I think the big takeaway is you need to be doing something about this. And if you have a loved one or someone you care about or even yourself and you're taking a lot of medications, you should really look into it. There are some resources on our website, www.youscript.com. It's uscript.com. And our phone number and email is on there as well. Wonderful, Christine. And listeners, do yourself some work and take advantage of the things that we just learned here with Christine and take a dive into this really impactful problem that that exists. And I encourage you to, to check out the website. Make sure you, you access the resources that Christine shared with us and do your part to improve outcomes by preventing adverse medication events. Christine, just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Saul, and and best of luck with this. It's a really cool program you put together. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. 
Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 